We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to this bonus Wednesday episode of the future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast where we often highlight, but are not limited, the Buffalo sports, news, media, and entertainment. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter, at Tweets. Big thank you for locking in today. Bonus episode, like I said. And why are we doing one today? Well, because I feel like doing one today. I've been telling you guys for quite a while now, when you subscribe to this podcast, you don't have to worry about when bonus episodes drop. We do them every Tuesday every Friday, and then sometimes throughout the month, scattered throughout, I drop a bonus episode here and there. When you're subscribed, they automatically get sent right to your phone or whatever listening device that you have, and you don't got to worry about finding us. So, why? Again, because I feel like it. I also got my man, my buddy, recurring guest Aaron Quinn from the Cover One Buffalo podcast. He's going to be on with me here in just a second. It's been a good month and a half or so since I've had Aaron on the show. In fact, he hasn't been on since we completed our six-week NFL mock draft series for six consecutive Wednesdays leading up to the NFL draft. Uh, we did a, a Buffalo Bills live simulated mock draft, a seven-round draft each time. And it was a lot of fun, man, and I think super informative. It wasn't so much about getting the players right and ultimately where they went, but just playing out scenarios, talking them out. I feel like it was really informative to learn about a lot of these prospects, many of the names we did hear called. But anyway, so that was fun. And today we're going to talk about five guys, I think five under the radar guys on the Buffalo Bills that I think have a real opportunity to have a breakout season in 2021. Aaron has a few of his own as well. We talk about that. Plenty of other stuff. My guy, Aaron Quinn, you know what? I'm not going to waste any more time here at the top. Let's just jump right into it right now. Here it is. My conversation. Buffalo Bills, five under the radar. Buffalo Bills potential breakout players with my buddy, Aaron Quinn. Aaron Quinn, cover one Buffalo podcast in the house. What's going on, buddy? It's been a while. How you doing? I was going to say, man, we grinded out that draft, mock draft time and then we just took a break here it's been a while though i missed you yeah I, I miss you too man yeah so we did six straight weeks of uh wednesday mock drafts and uh it's been a good month and a half since i had you on by the way before we get into 
today's stuff. Not to toot our own horn, but I thought we did a pretty good job with the series. Not maybe so much for like ultimately nailing picks. We did have Gregory Rizzo going in the second round of one of our mocks with the Bills trading up for him. And I know we took Basham with one of our picks in the second round. But, you know, outside of that, it wasn't about like necessarily getting picks right. But I, I thought we did, and especially you, did a really good job of enlightening fans just on a bunch of players and, and talking about their skill sets and, you know, potential scenarios, the way it played out. It was fun. I enjoyed doing it. I, I thought we did a pretty good job. Yeah, I will say for as much as I <clears throat> dislike that practice, the, the, like, I have to do that so many times throughout that the, throughout draft season. I enjoy the conversations that are, come from those mock drafts. I don't love the mock drafts themselves, but those conversations that come up when you do it with somebody else, because I can do it by myself and that's okay. That's one thing, but you know, doing it with another person, trying to have, talk that out. What do you think and why those are the fun draft conversations? I don't necessarily care about all the details, but why do you like this guy for your team? You know, why are you in on this guy? That to me is what's fun and what creates that fun banter on Twitter. So I had that with you. I had that with a few times with Greg and some of the guests we had on. It was a really uh, fun draft season. And it's so much more fun because the bills are so good. You know, it, it's so new to us picking 30 that this is a whole new experience of how to go through these mock drafts and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, dude, I've gotten used to over the years only having a really Lock in on the, what, the top eight to 10 players? Because you knew the Bills were going to get a to top right. 10. Yeah. <laughs> so it was definitely, uh, it was harder, but it was, again, it was more fun this year. And ultimately, we ended up taking Travis Etienne in our final mock. Took him a few times throughout. I guess, looking back at the draft, if there's one part that I did not like, like, it was fun watching the process and a lot of things that we talked about really came to fruition and it's not the easy, obvious picks. I mean, like guys like Elijah Vera Tucker, he went right around where we kept talking about just guys like that. But anyway, so you get into the 20s and I'm like, there's two guys that I really, really like, but I wasn't paying much attention because, well, I like Travis Etienne. I'm actually surprised he didn't, wasn't even there. We'll never know if the Bills truly would have uh, taken him. But the one guy that kept sticking out to me, and I didn't think about him because I never thought he was going to be there. We never had him available in any of our mock drafts. But so Travis Etienne goes to Jacksonville at 25. I was like, damn. But the next pick with Cleveland is the one that really pissed me off because I was starting to really get hope in my blood, in my heart for freaking uh, Greg Newsom. And, uh, you know, yeah. we always had him going by the early 20s in our mock, one of our top two or three corners. That was the one that really, looking back at the draft now, the one that got away. That was the one that I really wanted, you know? Yeah, it's a, that was a tough one because it was a, Newsom's a super fit. Also, you hate to see him to go to Cleveland. Uh, yeah. I think Cleveland's going to be a lot more of a pain in the ass than people are talking about uh, in, in terms of competing with KC. So it, it stinks to see them get better with a player that you like as well. But we talked about it a number of times through that area. It was either you're either going to see a run on the edge or run on cornerback or a mix of those guys. We're going to go in this stretch and put you in that position where you're going to lose a guy like that. It was going to fall if you couldn't get up ahead. And the, from some of the stuff we've seen, the bills tried to maybe get up a little bit, but they were happy to sit where they were. They were fielding calls in both directions, but ultimately I think even the way it sounds from Brandon Bean that Russo was their guy yeah. kind of in that spot, no matter what. So you it would have been interesting to see. Him? It's the, I don't know that he's he's in a good position at 30 to be able to say that. 
Right. Like right. you can say that 30 and it's not totally crazy. So he can get away with it if he wants. I don't, I don't know that he's a liar. I've watched a lot of his press conferences and I think he's very careful with a lot of how he chooses words and stuff to not lie to people, but not to give away too much either. And so I don't know that he's ever led us wrong with where their board is at. And when you watch those insider videos that they do, the, uh, it's the beyond red and blue or whatever it is. Right. Uh, the draft one that they do, it always looks sincere in the war room to me. So either they're pretty good actors, which normal people usually aren't good actors, right? Like you put normal people with a script of how to do something. It looks a little corny to me. It looks pretty authentic when they were happy. Russo was there. That was their guy. And they weren't moving from that spot and happy to take them. So I guess I believe it. Yeah. And maybe Joe's going to kill me for being a homer. Of course, Aaron believes it, but I have no reason to not believe them. I, I don't know. I, I wish Travis Etienne would have been there. It just would have been fun. What I did, I'll tell you the one thing I do like about the result pick more than anything else is I like the fact that he was there and Jason Oa and uh, Joe Tyron were all there and they went three straight picks. And I'm glad that the Bills took who they did because let's say those two of those other guys had went, then it would have felt like maybe they were settling at the position. But the fact that they took Rizzo ahead of Oa or Tyron I like that. If that makes sense to you, it's, it's almost, that does make like you were just talking about. That makes me feel like they feel like they got their guy. But at the end of the day, I just, I don't know, man. If Travis ATM was there, I just, this, I mean, I got no inside sources or any knowledge. I'm guessing like everybody else, but. Well, you have more than one guy. I think every team's got more than a guy in every range. So, you know, maybe there was others, but I think even if ETM was there, I think that debate's happening. Like, I think he was enough. Russo was seemed to be enough of their guy that they're still having that conversation. And I think I got bad news maybe for guys like you and I, that if Etan was there, that the value that Brandon Bean maybe places on running back versus the traits at a uh, premium position like edge would probably win out, even though Absolutely. Travis Etienne's probably a better player across the board and every type of metric that you're looking for. Uh, but the value and Bruce, our friend Bruce Nolan talks about those value propositions all the time. And I think the value would still probably went out for Russo in that scenario in the war room. Absolutely. The the value I'm, I'm talking about, it was definitely better. Yeah, man. Look, Travis ATM probably does more week one as a rookie than Gregory Rizzo is going to do. Sure. But long-term value-wise, five years at fifth-year option, cheap labor for potentially a quality defensive end. But your first two picks, that's hard to really, uh, that's hard to be mad at. All right, so I got... Two things I want to hit on real quick, and then we're going to talk today mainly about, I got five Buffalo Bills, like low-key guys, I think, that really have an opportunity to help make this team better, that are kind of flying under the radar a little bit, like people aren't talking about them much, and then you might have a couple of your own as well. For that, though, Rob Quinn recently came back to, to cover one. He wrote, now I'm going to be honest with you, I have not had a chance yet to read it. I'm going to read it. Slacking, uh, slacking. I know I am slacking, but I will read it. I promise you that. But anyway, from what I understand and from a lot of the reaction that I've seen from people on social media, very well received. He wrote a good piece on Jordan Poyer, who really opened up. Tell me a little bit about that article. Like I said, Rob's back. By the way, is there any relation? Because I know I've seen that asked to you, but I don't know if it's ever been answered or not, or at least I haven't. Is that is Rob a relation to you? 
Yeah, he's my third cousin. No, uh, no relation at all. No. We are just, we just both like the bills and we both, even though I have this new account, obviously I deleted my old account. We've both been on Twitter. I mean, you know, we've gone, we go pretty far back sure. uh, in, into the early Twitter bills mafia days. And Rob, I think I even go even further back. I mean, you know, Rob, he's been doing this since Twitter existed. And so, yeah, no, we would just happen to both be Quinns and friends. And our dads both have the same name. His dad's out there on the Twitter account. And he's James Quinn. That's my dad's name as well. Wow. Uh, and so there's, yeah, so Rob's dad's got the same name as mine. His dad's a little bit cooler than my dad, but uh, it, it's cool. And we've become really good friends. And I can't tell you, you know, we'll talk about the article here in a second, but I can't tell you how happy I am that Rob came back to cover one. I knew if he came back, he, it would be with us, but uh I was prodding that guy for, you know, every chance I got every three months or so, like, Hey, come on back, come on back. And he He's was good finally ready here this off season. He's really good at what he does. He has a really unique mind. It's a good mix of the analytics of the film stuff. He's a pretty straight and narrow guy. He doesn't put up with any shit from people. He'll, he'll get in and, and get in the weeds. He's had some of the best, back and forths with, with some of the beat guys and stuff like that. So he's not scared to get in, in the weeds with people. He's just a fun follow. Uh, anyone out here listening, if you're not already following him, you should be. Uh, I think it's Rob Quinn at Rob Quinn 619. But so he did a story with Jordan Poyer. And this is a really uh, interesting one because Rob, the reason Rob walked away and he talks about this is that he had his own struggles with addiction and mm-hmm. he's in the middle of recovery right now. And so he reached out to Jordan Poyer. We have connections to uh, speak with Jordan Poyer through some of the work we've done. Eric's interviewed him and stuff. And so they reached out connected and i think connected on that they're both going through that same thing and they, rob just sort of talked to him about it and the article is not just talking about that but talking about his preparation here for the year too so there's some football stuff in there but i think out of all the articles that referenced what jordan's going through in the interviews i honestly think this one's one of the better ones because of the perspective rob has in dealing with this and not only is rob in recovery but he's worked with people after his recovery too so he's really knows what it's like to go through an addiction and, and to fight that. And I don't know that any other writers that have covered this Jordan Porter thing have had that uh, up close experience with it to really connect and have that conversation. There's a video that goes along with the article. You can see the whole interview that Rob has with them. Uh, and it just seems, you know, Jordan Poyer, since he's gotten here, has been one of my favorite players as a fan. I don't buy jerseys of current players a whole lot. I mean, I was a sucker and got an EJ Manuel jersey at one point, but we're all, we can all be forgiven of mistakes. Uh, but I've been thinking about a Jordan Poyer one for years. This guy just does everything right. You know, like he, he's just always where he's supposed to be. He's a great player. And I think he's a really strong person for coming out and talking about his addiction. I think that takes a lot. I think there's a lot of dudes in the NFL that have that type of lifestyle that's off the rails and they're just drinking all the time or popping pills all the time. Just, a lot of pressure on your shoulders to be the guy and to keep making money and to keep making plays. And it can end at any time. That's a lot of pressure. I don't know. I don't have the mental makeup, dude. I got enough anxiety in my real basic life where there's really no pressure on me. I couldn't imagine being an NFL player and all the pressure that's put on you. And and they talk about that kind of stuff and what that means and, you know, how much that pressure weighs on you. And, and then that leads into some of the bad behaviors. But I think Jordan Porter coming out and speaking out about that is good. I think Rob writing about it is good. I hope it helps people that need pro- uh, help, uh, you know, coming forward about their own addictions or their own problems or talking to friends that have it. I've had uh, addiction 
be a problem in my life uh, with people I love and myself. Uh, and so it's good to see it being talked about openly. We saw mental health was a big thing that got talked about over the last couple of years. You haven't heard a lot about different types of addiction. And we know one thing, it's in society. So it's definitely also in the NFL. And I think it's really cool that they were able to talk about it. And again, there's some football stuff uh, mixed in there too. So it's a great piece. I think and sometimes as talented as, I mean, there's lots of very talented writers that could tell a good story, but I think sometimes you, you kind of use the term, uh, getting in the weeds, you have to be, you have to be able to relate to something like, you know, Rob has talked pretty openly before that of, of his own addiction issues. So I think he can have a perspective on it that someone like say myself, if I were to write the same article, I just simply don't think I can have, you know, I kind of compare it to if you have a, a sibling, let's say you have a, a brother or sister or somebody who passes away and somebody's trying to get you through these difficult times you somebody who's you somebody has had to live through it somebody has had to experience something like that tragically and sadly to be able to really offer you that proper perspective that no one else really can i mean there's friends and family people that are there for you support you and all that stuff of course but you'll always connect better with somebody who's been through what you've been through because you could just relate on a level that nobody else can like i said shame on me for not reading that story yet but i'm going to and i'm also going to put a link to it um, in the show notes. Yeah, definitely do. It's one of those ones too, that isn't real time sensitive, uh, for people. I think this is going to be a piece that gets a lot of clicks at cover one. And uh, my hope is like, we don't really do a lot of work that has impact on people, right? Like we're just talking about the bills and stuff and we get nice messages that, Hey, that having your podcast every week is a nice thing that I look forward to. So there's some impact to people, but I, I think this article of being out there on the internet, I, I really think it's that good. And, and is sort of opening up this conversation. And I think how important that is. I think people will, will go to this for a long time and I hope that it helps some people, like I said, be able to have that conversation themselves. Jordan Boyer to me is a fascinating player because I think everybody, it, it's universal pretty much that every Bills fan really likes Jordan Boyer a lot. He's a good player and people like him. And conversely, his wife is like the, the biggest <sighs> mixed bag you either love Rachel Bush or you hate Rachel Bush and there's really no in between. She's obviously very and by design, yeah. very controversial. Not everybody's cup of tea. That's for sure. And uh, I feel yeah. like people who have their takes on her. I, I feel like they're right either way because like I said, she's just, uh, she's out there, man. She has her theories. But my point being is that sometimes that's probably got to be a little bit of a tough line for, I'm sure like, I don't pay attention to Jordan Poyer's, like, Twitter, for an example, and I'm not sure that he pays attention to it. But I can imagine he probably gets a nice steady amount of comments talking about uh, his wife and, and some of the stuff that she says and does, and probably not all positive. So <laughs> that, that's uh, a... That, I honestly, I'll talk about it for a second. I think I have no information about it. Um, I feel for him in some ways, and in some ways I don't, because I'm sure he there's a lot of the stuff she says he agrees with. Like, uh, I think if you live with somebody that's that controversial, you probably have some level of ground that you believe in the same thing. Sure. Otherwise um, you'd kill each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it, there is a point for him where it could become a real problem, right? Like I think he's good enough of a player. This kind of goes back to, and this will open up a can of worms, but this sort of goes back to the same conversation that I think people had about Colin Kaepernick and what, uh, LaShawn McCoy talked about that, uh, he basically, LaShawn McCoy said Colin Kaepernick wasn't good enough to deal with the distraction. So far, 
Jordan Poirier is better than the distraction that Rachel Brush brings. Because it, it's a bit of an uproar on Twitter for a day or two, and she blocks another couple hundred people. But then it always goes away. It ebbs and flows, and nothing ever gets kind of totally blown out of proportion. And Jordan's so good that the Bills – it's super annoying. It's got to be annoying for the Bills. I guarantee you somebody has talked to him and her and said, like, look, you can't do this. There's no way the Bills PR. Well, if they like, are, they're, they're, every they're time not she breaking tweets, through. They got to be cringing. They're not breaking through to her. If they're talking to her, no, it ain't working. Not to her. <laughs> no, not to her. And I do think he, he's got a level of security with how good he is and wow, the importance. Craig and I did our show on safeties this last week, and I was just, I couldn't hammer home the point of these guys need to be healthy. Like this is the cornerstone of this defense is Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And, uh, and I think that what I feel is what is felt by the coaches at one bills drive. And that is why that hasn't been a problem. Cause I think other players, if it was some, if it was Ike Bakker's That's wife, so funny. just getting, I like, you know, <laughs> you know, what I, mean? you know like, why I'm laughing. I don't her. think Ike Bakker, as you were talking quite literally, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, you know what? Soon as Aaron's done talking, I'm gonna be like, yeah, because Jordan Boyer is a great player. And it's funny because you like literally said the same name I was thinking. I'm like, if this was like Bakker's <laughs> wife who was tweeting out yeah. some kind of crazy conspiracy shit, people would be He's demanding gone. people would be demanding that Ike Bakker got cut with the quickness. But because Jordan Boyer is such a good player, mm-hmm. you're willing to deal with some of uh the bullshit, which is not That's his the way fault. The world it's not works, his man. fault. I mean, if he's guilty of anything, it's by association if you don't agree with anything that she says. But anyway, just an interesting. And all she said and yeah, it, I don't. I'm not gonna here to cancel anyone, right? Like, right. I don't know that. I think some of the stuff she says, I don't agree with, but I don't know how far she. I haven't seen every tweet. It's just she's got me blocked, so I don't see all of it anyway. Uh, I don't know that anything she's done has been so egregious that it needs him to be cut because of what she said. It's just annoying, and it's like, all right, we don't want to constantly have to hear about it and be associated to the fan base, right? Like that's what I think people's problem. Is. Yeah. And I, look, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm not in the Rachel Bush block club. In fact, and this isn't designed to be a humble brag or anything. She actually follows me on Twitter, which is kind of weird because she pretty much does block everybody. I've had conversations with her about being on the podcast, which to be fair, a lot of those conversations happened before COVID and this last presidential sure. election. You should still have her most on. Of the sh- I would love to have her on because I'll tell you, yeah. I, and I've said this, I've said this to her, I've tweeted this at her. I don't agree with pretty much nothing she says in terms of the pandemic or in terms of the presidency and all this stuff. I, I think it's bullshit, most of it. But I respect people having their own opinion. And why not? If you don't like it, don't block her if, if you don't want to hear what or see what she's tweeting. And honestly, yep. Twitter's not the place to have those conversations. I no. think you present a forum for those conversations. I think you should have her on it. I, I'd listen to it. The only thing that I, I don't like, whether it's Rachel Bush or whether it's Cole Beasley or whether it's any athlete or whoever, any celebrity, I don't like when misinfectual misinformation is tweeted out that can be considered dangerous. You know, like when people are tweeting out stuff that's just not true, I think that could set a, a dangerous precedent. Like Cole Beasley, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I, I read the tea leaves long, but I'm almost, it almost was to me like, it certainly is with Rachel Bush. Don't get your shot. Guys, if, if you're going to listen to me, don't get your shot. Now, I don't like that. Now, you don't have to get your shots. You don't, you could think that they don't work or whatever you want to think, but try to encourage other people to not do that. And I'm not saying Cole Beasley. Rachel Bush, definitely yes. Cole Beasley, probably not. So yeah, maybe, I think Coles was more like I ain't getting this questioning shot. something than him not like doing it. He's probably right. not going to get it, right? And right. 
But I think we're seeing league-wide. I will say, I think Rachel Bush was right. I think we're seeing league-wide. She had tweeted out something. I saw screenshots that she was saying more. You're going to see a lot of players. Yeah. or sounds like more in the NFL than you think is going to be against this. She's right. And I, I don't hang out with NFL players. She does. So she obviously knew something. You're seeing it now that other teams are having camp and players are being asked about it. You saw the comment by Montez Sweat was probably worse than anything. Rachel Bush has put out there on Twitter. Of, they have an expert in the building and he's like, no, I, I'm not going to learn from this guy essentially. <laughs> uh, it, it, so that's, it's wild. So, but I think she was right about that. And I think that uh, unfortunately that is just, you know, I, I know there's a lot of football fans that are frustrated with that fact that a lot of the players aren't going to get it, but this is the world we live in. I like football enough where I can get over what they're doing and watch it. As long as they're allowed to play, I don't, necessarily particularly care what these people do and to your question to your point i don't particularly care what these people say like i'm not going to rachel bush and right. cole beasley for my medical information or for right. any political information or for any I, I hate to tell you folks i'm not going to twitter for anybody uh on that information that's not my site to get information from it's just we know that misinformation is everywhere and people are spreading it like crazy so i'm not going to go there i'll just be chasing my tail trying to figure out what's actually going on. So I guess if you do uh, take advice from those people, I don't, I don't I haven't met anyone. I've talked about this with a lot of people. I haven't met anyone that takes advice from any of these celebrities. So I don't know if the danger of them putting this stuff out is as much as we talk about sure. it is. Cause if you're taking medical <laughs> advice from Rachel Bush or, or getting on your political <laughs> right. platform with her, right? Yeah, that's I've, tough sliding. You're going to get fooled by somebody else anyway, whether it's her or not, somebody's going to tweet something dumb. You're going to follow. Right. Yeah. And look at the end of the day, she's been nothing but nice to me personally. So I like Rachel mm-hmm. Bush for, for all the, the silly shit that she tweets out, whatever that's her business. And I will say one thing though, too, and then we'll move on. You're right about something. I guarantee you, she has more connections to Bill's players and Bill's wives than any person in the media. I don't care if it's Tim Graham. I don't care if it's Jay Skursky, Vic Carucci. You can name them. Rachel Bush talks and knows more players and fans on a different level than any media person does. So I'll take something that she says is truth when it comes to that uh, over anything else. One other thing too, by the way. So Saturday, um, I'm at a beach bar getting my drink on and I see some photos over the weekend of yourself and Greg Thompson and Drew from Rock Pile Report, some lunch. What's up, man? Dinner. Dinner. Where'd yeah, you guys Saturday go? What, what was that all about? Because Greg lives in Ohio, <clears throat> yeah. so he came up. I didn't yeah, know anything so he, about this. I was like, I didn't even know. I we're all in text groups or whatever uh, with Drew and Greg and myself, and they made a bet. Uh, right before the offense really kicked it back into gear, and he was. Drew was really upset with Brian Dable and going off. I don't know if you remember some of his tweets. He was firing off about how shitty Brian Dable is. He needs to be fired and all this stuff. And we were in dude, the most insufferable DM conversations with Greg and Drew. And I would just back out of it after a few comments because they would just go at it for hours after games of how bad Brian Dable is. And at one point, uh, one of them placed the bet. He's like, look, at the end of the year, you know, we're going to have a top whatever offense and you're going to owe me a steak dinner, uh, a really nice steak dinner. So long story short, we all know the ending of the season. Bills have an historical uh, for franchise offense. And so Drew owed Greg a steak dinner. And so they went to Chop House, Buffalo. Drew set us up with some reservations. I got a text later or earlier this last week that it was happening this weekend. And uh, 
Greg gave me a couple options of when I could meet up with them and I couldn't do. We were either going to be on Sunday and go to Barbell for grabbing some wings, which is actually what I preferred uh, for food wise. I just wanted to meet up and grab, uh, you know, split a whack with them and grab some wings sure. uh, and have a couple beers. But I couldn't do it, so we ended up doing the Chop House thing, met up with those guys. What a fun night. I'd never been to Chop House uh, before. Fantastic. How was it? Uh, I've never been there. I've never had food there. It was worth it. Uh, I wouldn't go there often. I'm a a pretty cheap guy when it comes to my food. I'd rather make the food. I think I can make a pretty good steak uh, for literally a quarter of the cost or, or less. But for the experience it was of sitting down to like a really fancy dinner, I had to freaking drive around because I didn't have shoes and a belt that matched. You have to, have, you know, it's a, got a dress code, so you got to dress pretty decent to go in. I'm going to stay home, Dad. I don't have dress clothes. So I, it, it was, so it was a nice night to get out and do that. It was a beautiful night downtown Buffalo. Those guys are great. Greg and Drew, uh, Chris ended up meeting up with us uh there from the rock pile report and then i think they went off to the casino and hit up with some of the uh train wreck guys and went and did some gambling so yeah greg came into town and reaped his uh reward and i i ended up somehow getting rewarded too with a delicious steak dinner we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's dive into some uh, Buffalo Bills talk. Like I said, I got a list of five guys that I want to spend a few minutes discussing. These, to me, are guys who are uh, a little bit low-key, a little under the radar, that I think potentially have the ability to really help this team and again, they're guys, you know, we spend all our time on these podcasts and, and writing articles and reading and, and stuff like that. We t- always talk about Josh Allen and Trey White and Stefan Diggs and for good reason, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, um, for good reason. And that's because they're the best players on the team, you know, but I think there's some guys that are kind of flying at least a little bit under the radar that have question marks for sure, but I think could be uh, potential gems this year. And uh, so I got a list of five. The first one is Cody Ford. I want to get your thoughts on each of these guys. So this is a second round pick from a few years ago. I think he has talent. It's been a a whirlwind career so far for him anyway, because of two reasons. Number one, injuries. He's dealt with injuries and he's been moved around a lot. Is he a right tackle? Is he a guard? And he, you know, he flip flop like we didn't know last year until like literally the season started because, you know, there was no uh, 
There was no preseason games last year. And we didn't know how things were going to play out. So, anyway, it wasn't until we found out, like, right before the season that Daryl Williams was going to start a right tackle and four was going to play guard. This year, he's going into camp day one, left guard, his job to lose anyway, so no mysteries. Whereas, again, opposed to last year with the flip-flopping of positions. So, like, what's your thought on him? What do you think his realistic ceiling could be for this year? Yeah, so also he was at Chop House. Last night we saw him walking right through the dining room. Uh, really? What, during our dinner, yeah, he was leaving Chop House. So, nice. uh, no, he's he's. Uh, I agree with you. He, him being on this list for you, that he's an interesting one because I was really frustrated the Bills didn't address the interior offensive line this offseason in a way that pushed either him or Feliciano. And so, to me, the pressure's on both those guys to prove that lack of investment that the Bills didn't put into that position, and, and so. I need to see them step up. This one's a tough, Ford's a tough one for me for all the reasons that you mentioned, because I'm hard on him. I don't, I have not been happy with the pick so far. I'm not happy with the player. I need a certain level on the interior offensive line next to Mitch Morris, and I'm not getting it from either one of them. So one of these guys has to step up, but you're, you nailed it, dude. Injuries being moved around in a, in a very young career. These things are not, the model to get a successful career. If he becomes a really good, successful player, he's taken a road that's harder to get there, in my opinion, than coming in and playing a position and learning it and having full health and being able to get through those games and get those reps. He's behind the eight ball uh, from all of the other, most of the other rookies that will be in his class. So this is a big year for him to show that the Bills have a solution to at least one of the guard positions for long term. Because right now, I don't think you do. I don't think you have a solution for guard, even going into this season or, or, or beyond until either he or Feliciano show me what's up. So I'm hoping, I have even lower view of John Feliciano, so I'm hoping you're right that he could be a productive impact player. And I think his ceiling could be what we think John Feliciano is, which is a, a good uh, you know, interior offensive lineman with a little bit of a nasty in him, a little bit of strength to him, guy that finishes people. But I don't think he's his ceiling's probably not going to come. He's not going to come out of nowhere and be a pro bowler. I think if he can be a reliable interior offensive lineman, maybe even journeyman level at this point, I would take that. That's that's what I'm looking for. I would say when it comes to the draft, if there were two things about the draft that really surprised me, no cornerback taken. Well, not early anyway, or even in the mid-rounds. And no interior offensive line help until, what, the seventh-round pick was there. They took a center-slash-guard. But, right. yeah, I, I, that's probably one of the bigger surprises to me of the entire offseason. Well, who were they, like Forrest Lamp? I, I think they, they added to yeah, Forrest Lamp. that guard. It's like, eh. Which maybe, maybe they can turn that around. I don't know. But, Mike Bakker's uh, back, too. I think you said it, though. It's Ford's gig to lose, right? Yeah. Like, he's going to be slotted in there, and it's, it's his job to lose. If he loses that to any of those names, uh, that's real depressing. I yeah. think, you know, this if, if this doesn't work out, it's probably Bean's worst draft move if Ford's not a guy that works out going into the future. And if he loses his job this year, you almost just keep him around as a rotational guy and cut bait. Like, there's no sense in, in right. keeping a guy like that around. Well, I'll tell you what. See, he's one of those guys that I like. I do think he could do the job. I think him playing guard from day one at camp, if he could stay healthy. It's a good move. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like the move. This really isn't five guys that I have question marks about. These are these are five guys that I think are under the radar guys that I think could 
really help this team. So I do like him, but yeah, if he's not good this year, if he if something happens where he doesn't clearly take a stranglehold of that job, or if he gets hurt and we start throwing that injury-prone term out there, then that, if he that's, gets hurt, yeah, it might yeah. be a wash. Yeah, exactly. All right, next guy I got on my list is a tight end, and I'm not talking about Dawson Knox. I'm talking about Jacob Hollister. All the talk is about Dawson Knox this year, a make-or-break year for him. Hollister's only 27 years old, and I think he's flashed some talent, and I remember last year pretty well that Bills-Seattle game. He had a good game against Buffalo. He caught five passes for 60 yards. Uh, four of those five catches went for first downs. He's a pretty good player, and I think maybe if, if given the opportunity, if Dawson Knox can't stay healthy or if he's just inconsistent and doesn't take that next step, I think Jacob Hollister could actually turn into, I, I don't want to say a great tight end. He's not a great tight end, but I think he could be a perfectly serviceable tight end, potentially better than Dawson Knox. I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on him? His numbers have been comparable, if yeah. not better than Dawson Knox. Again, I don't think he's an elite player by any means, but I kind of like the kid, and I don't know. I, I just feel like we're not even really – nobody's even talking about him. I, I agree that no one's talking about him, and I, but I don't agree that if the Bills as is of recording this show, because I think Ertz is very much in play. Sure. To, and if, if the Bills trade for Ertz, this conversation doesn't matter. If they, it never happens. If happened. we go on Twitter after <laughs> this, yeah, this conversation never happened. It doesn't it matter. Happened. But I think, yeah, if you're going into the season with Knox, Hollister, and Sweeney, and – I guess if you're calling Reggie Gilliam a tight end, uh, if that's who you're going into the season with, then yeah, I think that it's, I think Knox is going to be the number one. If that's the scenario, I think Knox will get the opportunity to lose the job into the season. I don't think it would be a thing that he's going to lose in training camp. I think he'll have an opportunity to lose into the season, but I think you'll see either way Hollister involved in this offense. I think you'll see opportunities for him to make plays. I think that he can be a consistent productive low end of the roster player, which I think at that tight end position, we haven't really seen productivity out of the number one tight end, let alone number two. I think you'll be able to get two guys. I think that can produce enough. Uh, I'm not sure either one of these guys are going to be top playmakers at tight end in the league, but I, I think you'll see more improved production from the position from a year ago. I'm not sure even that like Brian Dable is not going to change the offense to a sense where these guys are going to be the number one read more often. I don't know that tight end's going to get a lot more burn this year in general, but I think that, you know, if it's Knox and Hollister, I think you'll see a, maybe like a 60-40 split or something like that at the position. So he'll have a lot of opportunities to make productive plays, move the chains on third down and, and work in the red zone, stuff like that. So we'll see. Um, uh, he's a guy I'm intrigued this summer though to get my eyes on to see how they plan to use him and Knox in this offense four of the five guys on my list are offensive guys let's spend a minute talking about the one defensive guy I got on my list here and that's Dane Jackson and I have him on my list because well two reasons number one I think the Bills lack of as of this recording really addressing cornerback other than bringing back Levi Wallace for another year I think that presents Dane Jackson with a legitimate opportunity to go into training camp. As the roster stands right now, as of this recording, I think he has a yep. very real opportunity to go to camp and push, if not beat out Levi Wallace. He played five games last year as a rookie, a seventh-round rookie, started two of them. I liked him when he was out there. They, uh, he had an interception, a, a fumble recovery. I remember the Jets game. That one stuck out, stood out to me. I, I, he looked good against the Jets, and he looked good 
in the Arizona game last year. That's what I remember him well. But anyway, he's not a, an elite athlete, but I think he might be a little bit better of an athlete than Dane Jackson. I just, I don't know, man. I, I just look at him as a guy, given the way this roster is crafted as of right now, I think he's got an excellent opportunity to go to camp and, and make something of himself and do something. Yeah, this is probably the one battle I'm most excited for this summer is Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson. They've been trying to replace Levi Wallace here for three years, right. and he ends up being the guy that gets most of the starts and most of the burn. Uh, so that type of consistency is nice. We talked about it a bunch during the draft season. I love the floor of bringing back a Levi Wallace at the cornerback position, right? If Dane Jackson can't beat him, you know you're going into the season with a guy that has been in the top 10 defense for the last three years of his career so that that floor and knowing Levi Wallace is there is fantastic I think that was a great move I think Levi will push Dane to earn that job I think Dane has a real chance to earn it because he is a little bit more aggressive at the point of the attack at the at the ball he, he gets a little more aggressive for the ball I think he'll probably this summer have some opportunities in training camp and in preseason games take the ball away. And I think that whoever really is able to create turnovers and disrupt passing lanes, it's probably going to be the guy that gets most of the reps in the start at cornerback too. But I wouldn't be surprised even if they went into the season sort of like they had been doing last year with the rotation of Josh Norman and Levi Wallace. I wouldn't be shocked if cornerback two isn't quite settled, uh, you know, late August and they run into the season and they're kind of rotating those guys in and out across from Trey trying to build reps because they're both still pretty young players here too. There's a, there's a chance, there's a chance Levi Wallace comes in and, and plays really well and then is able to get himself a nice big contract and we get a comp pick out of that and keep developing Dane Jackson. Or there's a chance Dane really, you know, takes a step forward, but you need to get both those guys in my opinion, because of their, their youth and, and what type of players they are. And the fact that we didn't address this position, I think they're both going to get some reps. Uh, but I, this is the one I'm watching closely everybody knows i'm a big levi fan i like dane quite a bit too and you mentioned it that nobody getting picked in the draft and if the bills were a lot more worried about this position steven nelson's still sitting out there uh richard sherman's still sitting out there there was a couple cornerbacks that have signed elsewhere they didn't get aggressive after the draft to answer it that tells me that speaks volumes in my opinion of what they think of dane jackson and what they know the floor is of levi wallace yeah you answered perfectly what i was going to follow that up with and that was does your gut tell you that the bills saw and liked enough out of dane jackson that once they got to rounds two and three they just said you know what there's not a corner that we really like that much more than we already have in dane jackson right. so let's invest our resources and why you split the reps right right yeah why get rid of the resources and reps yeah you're right, exactly it. yeah yep. so they said let's you know invest our resources our money our cap room in uh offensive tackle and defensive end positions and maybe they liked enough from dane, dane jackson that that's at least part of the reason why they did that all right going back to the other side of the ball gabe davis yep. is a guy i really like now it's not that nobody talks about him but man people are always talking about again Diggs and and beasley on and off the field stuff with him going on uh, this offseason. And then the addition of Emmanuel Sanders has been well publicized. I like Gabe Davis a lot as a rookie last year. 35 yeah. catches, just yeah. under 600 yards, seven touchdowns, which is a really good rookie year. If you remember that Indy playoff game, I thought he was huge in that game. Four catches for 85 yep. yards, had those two toe grab catch or toe dragging his toe along the sideline catches near the end of the first half that led to that Josh Allen touchdown. The Bills needed that touchdown. I mean, he was baited. No, then he yeah. got hobbled and didn't really do anything for the next two games. Anyway, I, I think he has an opportunity this year to have a 
a bigger role. And, you know, and I think showing like that next step, it'll make it easier for the team to to move on from Emmanuel Sanders after one year, or maybe hell, maybe even Cole Beasley, who, you know, the Bills could save six million dollars next, not this year, but next year, if they were to cut him. And they're gonna be looking for some cheap labor, you know, because of the money Josh is gonna get and Stefan's gonna get a graze and and other players right. and you know, and, and stuff like that. But anyway, I'm kind of being long-winded here. I like Gabe Davis a no, lot. No. I think he's a good player, and I think he has an opportunity if he builds off last year. I think he could take another step and give you 50 catches for maybe seven, 800 yards around seven touchdowns. Like, what what are your uh, what are your thoughts on him right now? Yeah, Gabe's a he's an interesting one to me because I see him as a ascending talent. I love what he brings to this offense. I think he's a lot faster than people give him credit for. I think he's got some nice work and and the deep ball. I think he provides a real deep threat. Uh, he seems to be a reliable young. Uh, productive wide receiver. The problem is, is I think the bills might've gotten better than they had last year with John Brown. I think that Emmanuel Sanders is maybe a slight step up from John Brown a year ago. And Gabe didn't get those reps because John Brown was failing. He got those reps last year that we saw from him because John Brown was hurt and people got hurt and he came in and, and played a lot of his reps were due to injury. And I don't know that the situation's changed a lot. So unless an injury to an Emmanuel Sanders or a Cole Beasley happens, I don't know that his the availability for him increases a ton. Uh, we'll see, though. I'm interested to see how he's going to be used in preseason training camp. He's a good blocker. He's a good all-around wide receiver. And we heard Stephon Diggs talk about, you know, those rookies helping him with the playbook. Like, they, they both uh, Hodgkins and... Gabe Davis were, were two guys that just came in and immediately got it. And, you know, I'll give a peek when you had turn around and ask me, Hodgkins is another guy and sort of fits that same bill that you talked about is needs reps for, to be able to develop so that when Cole Beasley leaves and when Mania Sanders retires and, you know, Stefan Dick starts to age out of that position, where are you filling that in? Because right now it's late draft picks and, you know, you're hoping that Gabe Davis can become a good number one re- wide receiver for the next couple of years. You need to find, some reps for these guys. And that's going to be, I think this sort of embarrassment of treasures that Brian Dable has at his disposal with the the depth at the skill position, specifically a wide receiver and having an offense that spreads it out a little bit to throw to wide receivers. I think one of his biggest challenges is going to be sort of how you spread those reps out, how you get the the ball to some of these guys and get production out of all these different guys. We just talked about, you know, uh, Knox and Hollister, and now you got these a couple young wide receivers that you would like to get involved and get some game reps and, and get some production. But there's only one ball in football, and it, there's only so many times that can go around. And you got a lot of mouths to feed. You know, it, it's a probably the best problem we've ever had to talk about a Bills offense. Um, but it, it's going to be a difficult balance for him. And so I'm interested, you know, kind of to wrap it and, and not go totally long winded. I'm interested to see what type of production a Gabe Davis can have. You know, if those receivers ahead of him stay healthy i'm interested to see what the bill's view of him is you know with a healthy core in front of him to see how much they're investing him as to be a replacement for one of those guys in the future whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, the fifth and final guy I have on my list, admittedly, maybe a little more personal, maybe I'm being a little biased here, but I got Zach Moss and I like him. His stats were okay last year. All right, you know, 481 yards, 112 carries, four touchdowns, 4.3 yards per carry. All right, no, nothing earth shattering here. Um, I, I, but I like the way he was playing towards the end of the year. I, I thought he was running better. He was becoming a, a better pass blocker. He was catching the ball out of the backfield. In fact, that indie game before he got hurt, he had four catches that came early on, and, and then he got hurt. I, I, so I, I feel like he was just kind of coming into his own a little bit. Um, that San Francisco game, he fumbled deep in its own territory and pretty much got benched that game. But the next three games after that, he had 12, 13, and 13 carries. So, I, I you know, the being in the doghouse didn't last. It was the injury ultimately that did him in the playoffs. And who knows, maybe that ended up hurting them. Uh, and then... The other thing is, and I, I've been pretty open about this, and I, honestly, I don't have a good reason why. If you ask me, well, why, I can't give you a very fair, detailed reason. I just don't like Devin Singletary that much. I just don't think he's that good, man. I really don't. And I know he's jacked up right now, and he's been working his ass off in the offseason, and that's awesome. But, dude, tell me how many third-year running backs got all jacked up and just became suddenly superstars. You know, I'm not saying Zach Moss is going to be a superstar, there's just something about Devin Singletary that doesn't do it for me. And I think in part because of that, in part got because one of just, those faces, yeah. one of those faces you want to punch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't go quite that far. Plus he beat the shit out of me, but oh, I, yeah. I, I think the combination of, I just don't feel like this team completely trusts Devin Singletary. Like there's always going to be a short leash with him. And I just feel like Zach Moss has a real opportunity and I like him. I feel like he has a good opportunity to really yeah. take a step up. And I don't think he's never going to be a true you know, um, bell cow running back. He's not going to be Devin Cook. He's not going to run the ball 25 times a game, but I think he could be the clear number one in this rotation. What do you think? I think he's the best running back on the Bills roster right now. I think Zach Moss is. I think he, if he was healthy all season and maybe the offense, it was a tough year to be a running back in general. I, I don't know that all the problems of running back were on, the, that room itself sure but i really thought that he was going to take over that position last year and i think if he stayed healthy and was able to play in those final games that he probably could have made a case i think he was trending in the right direction throughout the year um you know i haven't rewatched all the games of the season but i remember talking on our podcast going into the playoffs like this guy's sort of getting it at the right moment he might be the type of running back you need in the playoffs to close out a drive or you know close out a game and stuff like that so 
he's got the right makeup, in my opinion, to be the type of running back the Bills need. I think he can do a lot of the things they need him to do. He's a big back. He can move the chains in, in some of those short yardage situations, which I don't really trust Singletary in, in those situations particularly. I think they're probably neither one of them is particularly great at catching out of the backfield. So then if, if that's even, then give me the, you know, a guy like Zach Moss, I think he can do a little bit more in terms of either running guys over breaking tackles or, you know, he has a little bit of agility to get by people. So I think all around, he's the best running back on the Bills roster right now. And this is another one of those positions for Brian Dable to juggle because you have Matt Breida who they brought in, who is a good pass catcher and has some speed and, and has that, sort of home run ability that Brandon Bean had talked about this offseason. So that that's another guy standing behind either one of these running backs that's going to take carries from one of them because we didn't see that last year, right? That third running back wasn't a guy that they were trying to find ways to get the ball. Now you got these guys floating around on the roster like a Matt Breida and Isaiah McKenzie. Brian Dable is going to have to dial up a touch or two or three or four or five between them and that's going to take away something from a Zach Moss or a Devin Singletary. And I would say it probably takes more away from Singletary than Moss. I think they're going to lean into Moss a little bit more, not as a true running back one, but I bet he at the end of the year finishes with the higher percentage of the workload of the two running backs. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I don't think he's going to be a 1400 yard rusher, but I also think nah. come the end of the year, we're not going to be talking about who's the one A and who's the one B. I think you're going to get a, Pretty clear indication, if you could say healthy, of course, that Zach Moss is uh, going to be the guy. All right, so I just ran off five guys. Do you, do you got a couple of your own that maybe we could have added to this? Yeah, so I talked about a little bit about two of them, so we don't have to really talk much. But Isaiah Hodgkins, I think, is a, a guy for me that is – I don't know how much production we're going to see in 2021, but this is a guy I'm keeping a close eye on because I want to see him healthy really throughout this summer. I think he's going to get his most opportunity for reps this summer it's a long season. They're adding a game. So this gets a little sketchy for me with that wide receiver do. I don't want anyone to get hurt, but I, I feel pretty good about some of the depth that they have here. And I want to see, you know, if a scenario like that pops up, I want to see this guy get some game reps and hopefully get a, a game activation so we can see what they have out of them because they didn't invest a ton into receiver. And then you got Marcus Stevenson out of the draft, but that that's a guy that's mainly here for the return game. And hopefully he can develop to something else. But I think you need, somebody with along with Gabe Davis developing because you are going to lose probably two receivers here coming up. And Stephon Diggs is probably going to need more money again at some point here and have more further renegotiations. This wide receiving room thins out real fast. And if a guy like Hodgkins isn't the guy, then you need to get that guy next year, find find another guy to, to bring in through the trade. So uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on. Matt Burrito was another guy uh, that in my opinion, I think because, you know, exactly what I said, where I think Dable's going to have to manufacture some touches to get him involved. I think he'll get the explosive plays they want and be that sort of piece to the offense that they're looking for. And maybe he can roll on some of that gadget stuff. And then I flip over to the defensive side of the ball. I also had Dane Jackson. I totally agree with you. And then two other ones, uh, AJ Epinesa, I think is a guy who not so much. The reason I put him in is because I think the draft was an indictment of him and that he needs this is a big year for him because I think he could get real lost in a depth chart this year. If he doesn't take a, a pretty good size leap forward, I think with the bringing in two defensive ends and, and you know, he's going to con- Bean's going to continue to address that. I think FAO Bata is still very much in that mix. I think a lot of people wrote him off because of the draft, 
Uh, I think he's very much in the mix. And if they think they can get more production in 2021 out of FA Obata versus Epinesa, I'm not saying they're going to cut Epinesa, but I think they'll find somebody else to cut to make sure that they can also keep Obata. So he's a guy that this summer I hope comes in. We see him a little bit slimmer, a little lighter. We heard about the pick six and the fight with Feliciano. I hope he comes in with his hair on fire because otherwise, man, we see this happen in the NFL all the time where a guy just sort of flatlines and flutters around the roster and younger guys just leave him in the dust and he's just, he's gone in two, three years and it's another draft pick that didn't work out. So I'm hoping it works out for him. Harrison Phillips sort of maybe the same way, except obviously dealing with, you know, had injuries, fan favorite, people love him. I guarantee you Sean McDermott freaking loves the shit out of this guy. He's, he's like Sean McDermott reincarnated in a huge body, right? Perfect team guy. He's got all the makeup to be the future version of what a Kyle Williams was for this team. I just don't know if he's the player and he's a guy that I'm keeping an eye on because he's another one like Zach Moss that I thought was trending in the right ways towards the end of last season. I thought Harrison Phillips was playing some pretty good football towards the end of the season. And I hope that he can build off that. He looks like he's in great shape. He doesn't look like he has an ounce of fat on his body. Uh, I'm really excited to see what they can get out of him because again, we talk about a lack of investment. He's not a one tech, but we saw a lack of investment at the interior defensive line, which I think we all wanted a little more something. And and you bring back Vernon Butler and, you know, you're running back with Harrison Phillips and Justin Zimmer. One of those guys needs to step up and, and be a productive player. And I think Harrison probably has the biggest opportunity to do that. You, you know, it's funny, man. You, you're running through your list and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, how did I not have AJ Epinesa on this list? Because God, he fits it perfectly, man. In fact, Joe Marino this week is on Locked On uh, Bills. He he did a series with a bunch of us, um, and we had to pick players. Like We had to make our top 10 list of most important players from now in the future. And one of my guys was A.J. Epinesa, and we actually had to do a recording. So I talk about him specifically on Joe's show, which I'm not sure what day it's airing this week, but whatever. Point being is, yeah, they drafted a guy in the first and the second round. So you want to talk about a guy who's kind of flying under the radar, no one's really talking about AJ Evans except for the fight, and you talking about it on this podcast right now. Excellent opportunity to to, to take a leap this year because he's going right. to have an opportunity to play. I, I consider FA Obata more competition to him for playing time directly right now than I do Rizzo or Basham. Uh, sure. To be honest with you, yeah, that's a really good one. I can't believe I missed that. All right, last question, and I'm gonna let you go, man. Um, so recently, Stephon Diggs they converted his uh, salary into a signing bonus. That was done. It has to be done so that they could do something before this season. It doesn't make any sense to make that move and make his cap hits more in future years to not spend that money now. So it feels to me like something is coming. I don't know what. And that's kind of what I'm asking you. Like, what does your gut tell you? We talked about Zach Ertz. And this money that they did with Diggs would allow them to make this kind of move. Is it... Does your gut tell you that it's maybe training for Zach Ertz? Does it tell you that it's ultimately signing a Steve Nelson or a Richard Sherman? Or does it tell you maybe that uh, this money's to sign a, a Kawan Short or, or a Jarrell Casey, something like that, doing something in the interior defensive line? Like, what is your gut telling you that that move ultimately is going to lead to? Because it's leading to something. It has to lead to something. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. It has to lead to something. I think that there's layers to it, probably. I think there's a number of moves i think that's how brandon bean works he wouldn't 
make that move unless he had a, hey, if the Ertz deal doesn't work out, we, we still need to free up this to bring in another, you know, the other guy that we're targeting. I'm sure there's multiple conversations, multiple negotiations going on at all the time. Uh, so, and maybe this move happened because they thought they were closer on one of those moves and we're going to get something done and how to get that out of the way. So all indications, I haven't been on the Twitter a whole lot uh, this current weekend i've been doing stuff for my family but when i have checked in it looks like all indications are the bills are the front runners and pushing for earth so i think that one probably makes the most sense of what they were looking to get done i'll tell you though my first instinct when that happened was one the news wasn't shocking to me and two that i thought they were just trying to work some money in for josh uh to work on an extension for him and you saw you know, we talked about it earlier about Brandon Bean's press conferences. He saw him get a little bit tight about asking, they were asking if the negotiations were happening with Josh Allen and what was going on with that. And he got a little kind of like, I don't want to talk about any of that at all right now. And that it seemed like a bit of a different reaction. Normally he says, you know, we don't negotiate and stuff like that, but I took note of the reaction he had there. So who knows what's going on? I think, I think they definitely add a player here in the future and maybe they're trying to see this Ertz thing's kind of lingering longer than they thought. Um, but it sounds like that that's the gate, their main target. Um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if that falls through, like you said, so the name Steven Nelson, Richard Sherman, those guys are still out there and it is a need I, unless they really believe in Jane Jackson that much. I think if we see Ertz fall through and within a couple of days, the bills don't make a move at cornerback, you can lo- almost lock that competition between Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson for the summer. Yeah. Aaron Quinn, 716 on the Twitter machine, cover one Buffalo podcast. Looking forward to camp in July. Hope not just having an opportunity to like physically get together, hook up with you, have a beer, some wings, maybe tape a couple shows, but you know, just to, uh, I'm looking forward to camp when you and Greg really start to, to ramp up the podcast and ramp up the coverage, man. So, uh, looking forward to that. And thank you very much as always, man, for, for doing the show. I got to get you on more often. And you know what, too? We also got to come up with like something that's like our thing. Like on Fridays, I do casual Fridays with, with Joe Yurden and we always have a starting five draft where we have like different pop culture topics and we draft a starting five from each week. I need to come up with some kind of list with you. You're like, you're kind of, you know, I'm a power rankings guy, you know, I'm a list guy and I know that you are too. So I'm going to have to put some thought into it. We're going to have to come up with something where Aaron and I could have some kind of like top 10 list on some topic each week. Something. I love top tens. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, bro, thanks for doing the pod, man. You know I love having you on. Anytime, man. You know it. Anytime, man. Appreciate you having me on. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Big thank you one more time. Aaron Quinn, co-host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast with my man Greg Thompson. Make sure you give Aaron a follow on Twitter at AaronQuinn716. Really good dude, man. And I'll tell you, not just football talk. Aaron is a, he's got some sneaky good takes when it comes to pop culture stuff. A lot of music takes out there on Twitter of his that I enjoy. Or either, even if I don't enjoy, I vehemently disagree with him. But anyway, a fun follow, AaronQuinn716. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, come on, man. Please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe, rate and review, which takes, what, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds to do. And when you do that, new episodes automatically will get sent to you. And more importantly, at least for me anyway, 
it really, truly helps me continue to grow this podcast. So if you could do that, I'd be very appreciative. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Pamoran Tweets. I am always on Twitter. I love the Twitter machine. I'm always there. Anyway, yeah, at Pamoran Tweets. Thank you so, so much for listening to the show. I mean that. I, I know I say the same shit every single time at the end of the episode, but I'm not going to change that because I mean it. I appreciate everybody. There's so many great podcasts out there. Your time is valuable. Your time is limited. So when you're dropping in on this one for however long it may be, it means the world to me, man. I'm very grateful and humble and appreciative for all that. So thank you very much. Have a good one. I will be back with a brand new episode, Casual Friday, with my man, Joe Yurden. Talk to you on Friday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.